Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Jesus calls us to abide in Him. And abiding is one of those words that you will likely hear thrown around in Christian circles. But it may seem a bit elusive. What is abiding, and how exactly do we do it? On this episode, Stephanie and I are actually joined by a guest co-host, Kristen Schmucker, to talk about what abiding looks like in our everyday lives and how it produces a rich and joy-filled faith. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Daily Grace. Stephanie and Joanna here, as usual. Hey, hey. (laughs) Hey, so today you all are in for a treat because we actually have a third co-host joining us, and many of you already know her and love her. So we are thrilled to have Kristen Schmucker on the air with us. If you don't know, Kristen is the founder and CEO of the Daily Grace Company, and we're really grateful for her willingness to lend her voice on the topic of abiding. So Kristen, thanks for stepping into the role of podcast co-host today. We're so happy to have you. But before we jump into our conversation, You know the drill. You have to share a favorite thing from this week with us today. Well, thanks, guys. I am just really thrilled to be here and excited to chat about this topic. If I was thinking about a favorite thing from this week, I would have to say Jeremy and I have been, my husband Jeremy and I have been spending lots of extra time reading since we've been stuck at home. Mm -hmm. And we have just gone through stacks and stacks of books and we love to read them and talk about them, pass them Mm -hmm. off to each other. But one that I read this past week is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, and mm. it's phenomenal. Just a beautiful look at the heart of Christ. And even just preparing for this podcast episode, thinking and reading that book at the same time was a really neat thing to do and just think about Jesus and his heart for us as his disciples. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. So I'm curious to hear, Joanna, what was your favorite thing this week? Oh, yeah. Okay. I have to say first, I saw Jeremy's Instagram posts about your stacks of books, and you are not lying. There are multiple stacks of books just sitting around your And house. he did not even take a picture of all the stacks in my office, so. Oh, man. I love it. I'm very impressed. Follow them on Goodreads. Yes, yes. Oh, man. Okay. Well, my favorite thing um, is a little bit different. So my next-door neighbor a while back discovered that we have this large space behind what we thought was our backyards. It's actually our land too. And he cleared out like all this kudzu and everything. So we have this huge, like, I mean, it is divided, but we kind of share it because we're like, why not? (laughs) And so we recently together went in and built a playground for our kids. So it's just like a simple, like, slide and swing set. And it has been the best thing during this whole social distancing thing Mm -hmm. because the parks are closed and I have a almost three-year-old with a lot of energy. And so it's been a really sweet thing just to be able to get out 
in the outdoors and play on the swings. And we got one of those big round disc swings. Have you guys seen yeah. these? Yeah. yeah. So I also sit on the swing set, usually with my baby girl strapped to me sleeping. And I just sit there and swing while my daughter plays. So it's been awesome. <laughs> That's great. That is awesome. Stephanie, what's your favorite thing from this week? Yeah, just thinking about the disc swings, we were just down visiting my mom and brother in Tennessee. And so that was nice just spending time with them. But they also have one of those disc swings and my kids loved it so much. But, you know, I'm just grateful for the time to safely get away and visit family. We used our masks, hand sanitizers, washed hands, all that good stuff um, and safely made it back. Um, And we're getting ready for our move to Washington. So it was nice to see family before that big move. So that's my favorite thing this week. Oh, that's so fun. Well, yeah, so this week, like we said, we are talking about this topic of abiding. And this is probably a word that you have heard a lot. Um, It's one that's really popular to have on like a coffee mug or even like a tattoo and a pretty script that says abide. Maybe it's on a wooden sign in your house. Um, Maybe it's your word of the year, right? It's It's a popular one. It's one that we hear a lot, but I think a lot of times we don't actually think about what it really means. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't really have a concept of how do we actually abide? And I remember being so surprised the first time that somebody told me the basic meaning of the word, it means remain, just like stay. And it sounds so simple, um, which was surprising to me, but there is something really really special about that. And we're going to get into that here. But I think abiding seems like this elusive kind of thing that we hear but don't really know how to do, right? We think of it like those phrases that we hear like, give it to God or depend on him, where we're thinking, that's great, but how in the world do I do that? What does that look like in my life? And so that's what we want to explore today. Yeah. So like Joanna said, abiding is to remain. And so we think about it, abiding is really just what it means to be a disciple. It is Mm -hmm. moment by moment dependence on Jesus. It is living a life connected to Christ and understanding that everything that we do should flow from that. So abiding is not based on who we are. It is based on who Jesus is and our connection to him. Mm -hmm. So it's not about trying harder and just trying to do better in our own strength. It is about the power of God's spirit sanctifying us and enabling us to hold fast to Jesus as he holds fast to us. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, the call to abide is one that should exhort us, um, kind of like Joanna said, to stop trying to live in our own strength and understands that we were created to live in communion with God and through the power of his spirit. And so one of the most prominent passages in scripture that speaks about abiding is John 15. And when we look at the book of John, we see that one of the the key elements in this book is these seven I am statements of Christ. These statements are used by Jesus to point to his deity and to teach us about who he is. So we learn different things about who Jesus is 
based on these different statements. And John 15 includes the final I am statement of Christ. And I don't think it's a coincidence. These words are recorded shortly before Jesus would go to the cross. And he is telling his disciples what life is going to be like when he is gone. He is encouraging them and reminding them that even though he will soon be gone in body, he will be with them and his spirit will be in them. Um, and he pleads with them and, and with us as well to abide in him through every moment. And these words really give us a glimpse at the heart of Jesus for his people um, and his desire for us to live life connected to him. So I wanted to take a minute just to read a couple of the verses from John 15, just to give us a picture of what Jesus said and what he's trying to communicate to us. So John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And then beginning in verse four, it says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then verse 8 through 11 say, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the heart of Jesus for us. He wants us to abide in him. He wants us to bear fruit through him. He wants us to glorify God through a life of abiding, and he wants us to find joy in him. Yeah, I just love that so much. And I love what you said, that this is like Jesus's tender heart toward us. And it's freeing. And, you know, for our listeners, Kristen actually wrote a study on the entire book of John that just released. We will link that in our show notes. And so, like she said, today we're just exploring one of the seven I am statements. So, you know, be sure to check that book out and check out the other I am statements because they're just so rich. And we'll actually be working through that study as a community online starting on July 16th. So I'll link our community on our show notes. And so we would love to have you there. But yeah, I'm just so glad that you read that passage from John 15. And it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And it was really formative um, for me because it really confronted the false gospel that I operated under for so long in my youth because I just grew up in a church that leaned more toward legalism. And I think my personality just tends to find comfort in rules. Um, I'm a rule follower. And, you know, I thought that being a Christian meant pulling up my bootstraps and just doing whatever I could do to look outwardly righteous. Um, but like you said, Kristen, Jesus teaches us that his design for his people is to live a life of abiding and the biblical meaning of abiding is just really essentially having a proper understanding of the gospel itself, right? Like you said, it's living in light of what Christ has done, not on what we do. It's not trying harder or doing better by our own strength, but trusting in what Christ has done and trusting in the spirit who sanctifies us and enables us to hold fast to Christ. And I love what you said. It's living dependent on him moment by moment and believing that he is enough. 
And I think the metaphor that we see in John 15 of the vine and the branches is really, really powerful in helping us understand the gospel and the implications of the gospel in the lives of believers. And so in the passage you just read, we we see the characters, right? Jesus says he is the vine. God, the father is the vine dresser and his image bearers are the branches. And those in Christ are the branches that bear fruit. And this imagery of the vine just makes such deep truth so tangible. Um, at least it does for me. Um, I'm not a master gardener. We have like a very small raised garden bed. Um, but I do know that in order for a shoot or a branch or a plant to grow and bear fruit, it needs to actually be connected to the main vine because that's where it gets the nourishment and support that it needs to thrive. And so if the connection is severed or if it's not really connected, then what it is is it's essentially dead. And and likewise, like we can't bear fruit. We can't grow in godliness. We can't do anything of eternal value apart from our union with Christ, you know, apart from being connected to the true vine, the source of our nourishment and support. You know, he really is the source of life and not just life, but, you know, a productive, fruitful life. Yeah, I love that image too. And, you know, Stephanie, you mentioned this idea of union with Christ. And that really is exactly what Jesus is talking about when he gives us this image of the vine and the branches. Mm -hmm. So if that is an unfamiliar idea to you, union with Christ, you are not alone. This is actually, this whole concept is relatively new to me within recent years that I realized what a big deal this was. Yeah. But it's actually such a central theme of mm-hmm. the gospel. It's a central theme of the New Testament. It really explains the gospel. Mm-hmm. And you know, this idea of union with Christ, it basically starts with the fact that apart from him, we are spiritually dead. We are totally sinful, unable to do anything good on our own. And we see this in Ephesians 2, 1. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And so because of that, because of our sinfulness, the punishment that we deserve for our sins, the payment for our sins is death. Mm -hmm. But Jesus Christ, who is the perfect son of God, Mm -hmm. died in our place to pay our penalty for sin. And now if we put our faith in him, instead of trying to put our faith in our own works to save us, what happens is we actually become united to him so that what is true of Christ becomes true of us. This is union with Christ. And so what that means is that we get his righteousness credited to us because we are united to him. Mm -hmm. And that penalty of sin is paid. We don't have to pay it because he has done it for us. And then we can live. Ephesians 2, after that verse about being dead in our trespasses, now down in verse four says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And that's the key. We are made alive together with Christ because we are united to him. But What's incredible is that the gospel doesn't stop just there because our union with Christ goes beyond our initial salvation. Mm -hmm. It means that we have 
union with him throughout all of our lives. And so we have access to his strength, to his peace, his love, his goodness, because he is in us and we are in him. And so we are intricately tied to him, even as we have his spirit within us, like Kristen mentioned from this passage. Mm -hmm. And that means that we have everything that we need in him because we are united to him. And you know, one song that you guys have heard me quote, I know, probably multiple times, is the song, (laughs) Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me by City of Light. And this song is basically all about union with Christ. It never uses those words, but that's that's what it's about. So good. It talks about this idea as being strange and divine, this, this miracle that we're united to him. It says, oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And that's our union with him. Mm -hmm. And if you want to explore this topic more, I would highly recommend the book called Union with Christ, The Way to Know and Enjoy God by Rankin Wilborn. Um, It's really, really helpful in breaking this down and seeing the gospel in a completely new light. So yeah, when we see this image of the vine and we see it as a picture of our union with Christ, it is the perfect image because it shows how we are connected to him, one with him because of what he has done for us. Mm. Thank you for mentioning union with Christ, Joanna. Um, Mm. It's something that has been really transformative in how I understand the gospel. And I love that book. So I also highly recommend it. Um, And it's something I think the three of us have talked about quite a bit, because I think Mm -hmm. this conversation is probably reflective of the daily Voxer conversations that the three of us have. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's a lot of fun to be able to do it with um, everyone being able to listen in. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that I love about this imagery of the vine that Jesus uses is that this was actually not a brand new metaphor. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, it is one of the most prominent images used in the Old Testament to describe the people of Israel. And so there are so many passages that speak of Israel as the vine. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can include those in the show notes if you would like to look up those passages. They really do shed a lot of light on this passage. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to point us to one particular passage in Isaiah 5. And it's in this passage that we just see this beautiful and poetic retelling of Israel's history. And God speaks about how he has planted his people like a vineyard, and he has given them everything that they need to thrive and to bear fruit, and he desired them to bear good fruit. But unfortunately, instead of bearing good fruit, the vine of Israel yielded only wild grapes. And so if we look at Isaiah 5, 1 through 4, it says this, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? God had given them everything that they needed to flourish, but they rebelled. He had planted and cultivated them, but they did not bear good fruit. They bore only wild grapes. And this really deepens the meaning of John 15 for us as we realize that what Jesus is saying when he speaks these words 
that first off, these words would have been very familiar to the people listening to him because they would have been familiar with the Old Testament. And he is saying, I am the vine that you could never be. On Mm. your own, you cannot bear fruit. On your own, you can do nothing. He came to be the true and better Israel. He came to be the true and better vine. He came Mm -hmm. to be what we could never be on our own. And he came into the world to flourish, living the perfect life that we could never live and dying the death that each one of us deserves. He came to save. And as he looks at his disciples in these final days of his life, this is his message for them and his message for us as well. It is the message that he is the true and better vine. It is a message of hope for people like us who know that we cannot do it on our own. It is the plea of our Savior's heart that we would stop trying to live in our own strength and live in the strength that he provides us as a gift of his grace. Mm, Man, that is so good. And it gives me chills just thinking about Jesus, you know, presenting this to the disciples. And yeah, like you said, that he is the true and better vine. And the disciples really knew what he was talking about, because like you said, they knew that um, metaphor from the Old Testament. And it really does enrich our understanding of this passage in John and and just God's overall plan of redemption, right? And and as you were talking, I just thought, yeah, this is exactly why we need to read the Bible as a whole because every passage does point to Christ. Like you said, we'll link the show notes where this metaphor of the vine is seen in the Old Testament, but it's in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the Psalms. And so we highly encourage you to go back and, and read those passages, um, and it really will enrich your understanding of John 15. And so, you know, this reiterates the truth that God designed us to be dependent on him, right? Like you said, Kristen, Jesus is the vine that mankind could never be. We can't bear fruit apart from him. We can't do anything apart from him. And and there's beauty in that moment by moment dependence. Um, and I love how the metaphor of the vine and the branches um, also shows us the dynamic that exists between God and his people, right? It says in John 15 too, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so this shows that, you know, God is actively tending to those that are his, right? The branches that are really connected to the true vine. And again, I'm not a master horticulturist or whatever they're called, but (laughs) I do know that pruning is cutting away the dead leaves, right? It's cleaning the branches to make more room for fruit. And actually the verb in that verse in the Greek means to clean. And I love that. Mm. It's like weeding, right? Weeding is actually a good thing and we need to do it. And so there's this purification process. And the way I like to picture it in my mind is how the word of God is said to be a double-edged sword in Hebrews 4.12. It's the word of God that sanctifies us or cuts away the things of this world. And it's what allows us to grow in godliness and do good works and bear much fruit. And so pruning is good. It's necessary for greater growth. Um, But, you know, it, it can be painful, right, to cut away the sin and the idols that are deeply rooted in our hearts and our lives. But ultimately, it's for our good and his glory. And so I love that this is a reality for every believer, right? Jesus said in that verse that I read, John 15, 2, 
every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Yeah, pruning is a huge part of abiding. And you know, another book of the Bible where we see this theme of abiding come up a lot is the book of First John. So moving from John to First John now. <laughs> um, but it's all over the place. And over and over again, John talks about how abiding is connected to the way that we live our lives. Yeah. Um, and so what we see from this book is that the result and evidence of abiding in Christ is turning from sin and walking in obedience. Mm-hmm. And so we see this come up in several big ways. So first, turning from sin, we see it, for example, in 1 John 2, 5 through 6. It says, you know that he appeared, Jesus, in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And so this verse is saying, if we are abiding in Christ, the outworking of that is that the sin in our life is going to be cut away, right? It's going to be pruned. I know that verse can be confusing because we might think, well, I still sin. Does that mean that I'm not abiding in Christ? We have to understand what this passage is saying is that if you are in Christ, then the sin in your life is going to be in this process of being cut away, right? You're in this process of sanctification. He says later that nobody who is in Christ makes a habit of sinning, right? Mm -hmm. That we're not going to continue in these same patterns uninterrupted. Um, So don't think that if you struggle with sin, you are not a believer, right? Right. Um, But that we should see this evidence of this process of sanctification as we abide in him. He also talks about Walking in obedience in the sense of following God's commands. For example, 1 John 3, 24 says, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. Mm -hmm. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So if we are abiding in God, that is going to empower us to follow in his commandments, what he has called us to do. There's also this huge connection between abiding in Christ, abiding in God, and loving God. Loving God and loving others. First mm-hmm. John four sixteen says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. And so abiding in him means that we come to love like him. And I love this. As he is, so also are we in this world. Mm -hmm. And that's what abiding in Christ empowers us to do, to walk like Jesus walked, to love like he loves. So we've talked a bit about what abiding is, um, but now let's just think for a moment about why we should do it. Um, Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of abiding? And Mm -hmm. thankfully, verse 8 tells us that (laughs) it is because in our abiding, our Father is glorified. And I love this. The Westminster Confession tells us that our chief end in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And this passage echoes that truth. We abide in Christ because it gives God glory and it gives us joy. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And that verse that you were saying, Kristen, John 15, 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so we see that 
he is glorified because of this change that happens in us, right? It's like that pruning we were talking about. As we abide in him, we live like Jesus and we reflect his image to a watching world who then turns and gives glory to God. Right. And I love how glorifying God, even in this passage, is connected to our joy, right? Mm-hmm. Our enjoyment of God. Um, John fifteen eleven says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I love that, you know. So even though pruning can be painful at times, you know, it's not always fun and easy to kill our sin, but it's how we experience abundant joy, right? When we have that communion and intimacy with him, we're going to experience the fullness of joy and he prunes us for good to bear much fruit and and live out that chief end of glorifying God. And so, yeah, we abide in Christ because it glorifies God and because it is for our joy. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think our first thought when we hear this concept of pruning probably isn't joy, right? Right. Because that sounds (laughs) painful and difficult. And honestly, a lot of times it is. It is a painful thing to have the idols cut out of our hearts, Mm. right? It is difficult to put that sin that we've become so attached to, um, even so enamored with, Mm -hmm. and put it to death. And, you know, our natural pushback from our sinful flesh against that idea of pruning and getting rid of the sin in our lives, I think that that shows up in the fact that we tend to think of abiding as just like a comfy chair and a hot cup of coffee with our (laughs) Bibles open. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with those things. If you have the ability to sit in a comfy chair and drink your hot coffee and read the Word of God, praise the Lord for that gift, right? But it's so much more than that, right? That's that's not enough um, to really live the life that God has called us to, the abundant life that He's called us to. So if our relationship with the Lord doesn't result in a transformed life, then we really haven't understood the gospel. We really Mm -hmm. haven't understood what it means to abide because the gospel isn't just that we are saved out of judgment, but that we are saved into holiness. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that the gospel, it's not weak. It's not so weak as to leave us unchanged. God's love for us is not so weak as to let us remain in our spiritual deadness and to remain in our sin. God loves us so much that he takes our brokenness and he makes us new. He makes us holy out of his love for us. And that's what we have to realize is that God's act of pruning us, painful though it may be, is a direct result of his love for us. Mm -hmm. He prunes because he loves us. And, you know, I think it's really interesting that John takes so much time talking about abiding in God and about living a life of obedience. I counted um, in 1 John just 24 times that he uses this word. I may have missed some. But that's how many I counted. And it's a short book. First John's yeah. a short book. But it's so interesting that John talks about it so much because John referred to himself as the beloved disciple um, or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I really believe that John had this understanding of his identity as one who is beloved of God, which, by the way, is true of all of us who are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And it was out of that understanding that he spoke of abiding and obeying. To abide in God is to abide in his love. 
And we see this in 1 John 4, 16. He says, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So John understood his identity as one beloved of God and he wanted us to understand it too, right? He calls us beloved over and over again in the book of 1 John addresses us as beloved, beloved. And he uses the word love even more times than he uses the word abide. I didn't count because I was thinking, this is so much. I'm going to be here all day counting the amount of times he uses the word love. But the fact that we are beloved of God is so central to our identity. Mm-hmm. I think about Romans 1-7 where Paul says, to those who are loved by God and called to be saints. And I love that those two things go together, right? Mm -hmm. God calls us to sanctification. God calls us to holiness out of love. And so his commands for us to walk in obedience, to put sin to death in our lives, are not to cause us pain. They're to cause us joy. They're for our good. And so when we are in Christ, united to him, we can obey God's commands. And we do that not to earn his love, but because we are loved. I love that you mentioned that John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved and how he viewed his identity as the mm-hmm. loved of God. Um, that um, is such an amazing thing to think about. But mm-hmm. what's also amazing is to think about this connection, that Jesus is the beloved son of the Father. Mm-hmm. That is actually God the Father's words mm-hmm. at Jesus's baptism. He said, this is my beloved son. Mm-hmm. And because we are united to Christ, like we talked about earlier, we are also the beloved of God, just like John was. Our identity is rooted in Christ and what he has done for us. And that is the very thing that enables us to abide in him now. Amen. Yeah, I really appreciate the connection of abiding in Christ as an outworking of our identity in Christ as his beloved. Um, yeah, and, and how John starts the book, right? In one twelve, John one twelve. but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so we are the recipients of his love and we have that identity in him. And so... Yeah, absolutely. Love and obedience and bearing good fruit all go together, right? We bear fruit and obey because we're loved and forgiven, um, not to earn love and earn forgiveness. And it's so important to remember that abiding is rooted in our identity in Christ because, yeah, it's through the power of Christ that we can even abide, right? And so, you know, as we shift to talking more about the practical aspect of what abiding can look like, um, let's remember that we can't do anything apart from Christ. This is why we preach the gospel to ourselves every day, right? To remind ourselves that um, we can't do anything apart from him. And so let's talk about it. What does abiding actually look like in the life of the believer today? What could it look like in your life and in my life? And so first, um, abiding looks like reading and studying the word of God right? The Bible is nourishment to the soul of a believer. We have said that so many times on this podcast. And I love that it's in John that it says Jesus is the word, right? John 1, 1. And so we engage with the true vine through the reading and studying of his word. Um, John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so there is this aspect of treasuring God's word in our hearts um, in this idea of abiding. And 
here's the thing. We can't treasure what we don't know, right? So if we want to receive and believe the promises of God, um, then we need to read and study his word. And if we want to grow in godliness and bear good fruit for his glory, we need to read and study his word and allow the word to renew our minds and to confront our sins, to sanctify us and to bring us hope. And what we also need to do is respond to what we're reading and studying right in his word and we respond by obeying by aligning our lives to his word Um, i love john 15 10 it says if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love and so we read and study his word we learn his commandments we learn what he loves and what he hates and we respond um, in obedience to his words and we respond by loving what he loves and hating what he hates and and we don't do any of this out of duty but out of delight because we're working from that position of being his beloved and and we're responding to um, his love set on us um, through our obedience and so joy in obedience is truly part of that gospel transformation that Joanna was talking about earlier. Yeah, it's such a gift that God has given us his word um, in such a practical, tangible way that we can be in communion with him as we read and hear and study his words. And you know, another thing practically that we can do is very much centered around the word of God also, and that's memorizing and meditating on God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, we had whole episodes on this, one on scripture memory, episode 63, one on scripture meditation, episode 29. So you can go back and listen to those if you'd like. But yeah, when we think about scripture memory, what this does is it allows the word of God to be accessible to us beyond the time when we are just sitting there and reading yeah. and studying, right? That we have it in our minds, we have it in our hearts, and we can um, call it to mind, that the Lord calls it to mind um, in our time of need. And then if you think about scripture meditation, this is thinking on God's word. This is pondering it, um, working through it in our minds, thinking about how it matters and what it means for our lives. Um, we see that this is a call to us in scripture as well. You know, in the book of Joshua, God is commissioning Joshua to bring his people into the promised land. He's commissioning him to to lead God's people. And he says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And so this act of meditating on God's word is a means through which God causes his words to take root in our hearts and produce fruit in our lives. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you think about it, if something is consuming your mind, it is impacting the way that you live, Mm -hmm. right? If you are worrying about something constantly, then it's going to change the way that you go through your day because it's all filtered through this lens of that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we are consumed by the truths of God's word, if our minds become occupied with the truth, then we are able to preach the gospel to ourselves in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. And the word of God becomes the lens through which we view and interpret the world instead of all these other things that tend to fill up our minds um, 
and just put us in a place of fear or of weariness. And another practical thing that we could do, another spiritual discipline that God calls us to is prayer. And, you know, we've talked before about how God speaks to us in his word and we respond to him in prayer. Mm -hmm. And so part of abiding in the word of God, a huge part of abiding in the word of abiding in God is a life that is marked by prayer. We think about 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that says pray without ceasing. And this is what God calls us to do. There's a reason that he commands us to read his word. There's a reason that he commands us to meditate on it and memorize it. And there's a reason that he commands us to pray. And all of these are part of abiding in him and abiding in his love so that we can bear good fruit. It would be really easy for us to start thinking that abiding is just about the things that we do. So we're talking a little bit about obedience and spiritual disciplines, but what I want us to remember as we think about these things that God has called us to do is that it is actually our position in Christ um, Mm -hmm. that enables us to do these things. And the things that we desire to do as believers, like read scripture and memorize and meditate on the word, are our desires only because we are abiding in Christ. Mm -hmm. So maybe you feel like you are so busy and overwhelmed that you couldn't add one more thing into your life. Our hope is that we would all recognize that abiding in Christ is actually the thing that brings rest to our souls. It's not just one more thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so in one of my favorite passages in Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love how this passage reminds us that abiding in Christ is actually the very thing that will bring rest to our souls. The feet of Jesus is the place that we can lay down our anxieties and find rest in him. Yeah, man, I love that. What a sweet reminder that, you know, engaging in spiritual disciplines is, you know, responding to him and it's restful because it's just communing with God and cultivating that intimacy with with God. And that passage that you just read, Kristen, reminds me of First John 5, 3, which says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And so, yeah, abiding in Christ is not burdensome, but actually life-giving. And, you know, going back to the very, very beginning, Joanna, um, you had said that the word abide simply means remain, like to remain, to stay. And it's true, right? It made me realize that abiding really is just remaining, right? And so this means God's people are steadfast and those who are truly in Christ are kept in Christ by his power. Our salvation is eternally secure because of him. And so abiding means continuing in the faith, right? It looks like holding fast to the hope of the gospel through whatever life circumstances come at us. Um, Hebrews 3, 6 says, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So by his grace, remain steadfast. And and you know, when you get weary, because you will, we all will, <laughs> um, let us remember that it is the faithfulness of Christ that actually enables our own faithfulness. Mm, I love that. 
Well, we hope that this conversation has helped you to see abiding in a new light and to really see the joy and the love that is given to us mm-hmm. um, and that we have access to through abiding in God, through abiding in Christ as the true vine. And we do want to remind you that the Daily Grace Code just came out with a brand new study on the Gospel of John as a whole, and it's called Come and See. And so like Stephanie mentioned, we'll be going through that in the Facebook community and in the Daily Grace Co. app beginning on July 16th. And so we'd love to invite you to join us as we look to Christ um, through this study. Mm. And man, Kristen, it has been so fun having you as a guest co-host on the show. So thanks for taking this early morning time with us today. It's been a joy to be here. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, we look forward to talking to you soon. We will talk to you next Tuesday.